You're Paul. I'm the new Sprintern. Ah, uh, Sprint Plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm gonna look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because they have an all-glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to uh, going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul. Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, Sprint.com/iPhone, or call 1-800 Sprint One today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 29.17 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 29.17 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18 month leases. Early termination results in full balance due. Exclusive tax subject to credit and third activation restrictions apply. You're locked into Inception Radio Network, Superior, Wisconsin. From aliens to ghosts, demons to anchors, and from shadow people to the outlandish, Heidi Hollis the Outlander. Outlander. Welcome, welcome to my awesome Friday evening. You guys, you're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's time to get comfortable, grab some popcorn, your favorite soda, or as they say here in Chicago, pop. It's like pop is when you smack somebody. I don't know what they're talking about. But anyways, this is going to be fun, and I'm going to tell you what this show is about. This show is about bringing outlandish and interesting topics to the forefront from aliens to angels, ghosts, demons, holy encounters, shadow people to Bigfoot to the outlandish. I always say if it's weird, we're here. And now you are too, so you're among friends. If you do not know who I am, when it comes to the outlandish, personally I'm someone who has been there, seen that, experienced it, freaked out, found some answers, wrote about it, got over it. I think I did. And now I'm hoping to help others do the same thing and understand more about this crazy world we all live in. It's um, it's it's always very colorful. <laughs> if you want to learn more about me, go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com. It's really difficult if you don't know how to spell my name. As I discovered, somebody really got very inventive in spelling Heidi. <laughs> I mean, like H. H-I-E-D-I, oh my goodness, it was like, I I have seen some crazy spellings, but it's just the old German way, and on that website, you're going to find so much there, and I also want to invite you guys to check out my paranormal comic strip, which is called The Outlanders, go to theoutlanderscomic.com, and you can also find it on Inception, and millions of you are enjoying it, so I thank you for checking it out and enjoying it, and getting some fun feedback from that. And I'm going to tell you guys how you could also hear this show, this whole network, actually, in the most popular way. But I don't know. There's other things rivaling. We're getting so many different outlets going on. Inception Radio Network app, IRN app. Everybody loves it. And, uh, you know, you can listen to us at any time with that. It's, it's pretty fantastic. And you could also just... Dial a number. My parents love this option because they're not very tech savvy and they don't want to bother with things. So 712-770-8888 and you can call into the show at any time. I know because most of you guys listen to this show past the live broadcast. I know we don't get a ton of people calling in every once in a while, but it's all good. The lines are open, 1-888-919-2355. And you know what? If it isn't live, just call so you can bug MJ. I think it goes straight to his cell phone and wakes him up in the middle of the night. I'm sure he would really appreciate that. So just do that. (laughs) 
is probably rolling his eyes right now. Um, he's producing. So anyways, also, you could go on Skype and send your comments and questions on over that way as well. And if you go to irnchat.com, there are usually people gathered in there chatting it up, and they can post their comments and questions, and so can you. I could especially catch it if you put it all in caps because it gets hard to just double time and read and, and listen and all that good stuff. So, yeah, come on over and chat and join some others that are interested and intrigued into these odd topics. Oh, we are never bored, I am telling you. So live chat. And live chat. Remember way back when how fun those were? Mm-hmm. AOL. Yeah, <laughs> this is even more fun. <laughs> so anyways, you know, I am going to hop right on over and introduce my fantastic guest for this evening, Marie D. Jones. She is the best-selling author of over 15 nonfiction books on the paranormal, ancient knowledge, unknown mysteries, UFOs, and cutting-edge science. She has been a guest on over 2,000, count them, 2,000 radio and television shows, and mine is her favorite. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Including some of the biggest names out there. She's written for Intrepid Magazine, New Dawn Magazine, Paranormal Underground, Paranoia Magazine, I think we're all paranoid, uh, Atlantis Rising, and Fate. She's also an optioned screenwriter. Oh, yeah, if you want your story to be sold, I'm sure she would love to write it up and just have it put on the big screen. And is currently developing the Maybelline Cosmetics Empire family story for television, as well as numerous other projects under her production company called Where's Lucy Productions. Her websites are mariedjones.com and where'sLucyProductions.com. Everybody give a round of applause. For Marie D. Jones. We're going crazy here, Marie. Woo! Hello there. How's it um, going? Can I hire you just to, to say, where's Lucy? <laughs> well, I need your MP3 or something of your voice. There you uh, go. On the website. Where's Lucy? Yeah. <laughs> I love the name. I love that name. You got to share why why that name. That is rather okay. unique. So, <laughs> well, I was trying to come up with a name for my production company, and I couldn't, just couldn't come up with anything that I liked. Well, my son said, call it Where's Lucy, because we have a cat named Lucy, and at least 20 times a day, one of us asks the other, Where's Lucy? <laughs> and it was just perfect. It, from that point on, it was like, that's it. That's the ah, one. <laughs> that's pretty hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Is, is there a symbol with the kitty on there? There is, yeah. The logo has a little kitty kind of peeking up over the, the letters, where's Lucy. And oh, I love it. I mean, well, the that's cat is a lot older now. She's really old. She's almost 20. Um, but, you know, she still will, will kind of just go off and – She's blind. Don't tell me Lucy's blind as a bat and you just can't find her. She is blind as a bat. I don't think she can hear. If you hear any caterwauling in the background, it'll be her telling me it's time to feed her. Um, but yeah, that, that just so funny how a name will come. You know, sometimes like trying to come up with a name for a book. I mean, you know this too. It's like yeah. you rack your brain and then somebody will say something or you'll be 
in the shower or on the freeway. <laughs> In 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 the loo, in the loo. Come on, let's be honest. Yeah, it's well, how the brain works. So. I, I don't, I don't have fifteen books like yourself. So, I mean, for me, it's like, yeah, it's a bit of a process, and you kind of break it down, but you get a general idea, and you're like, and then you just get that, that those like goosebumps, like this is it, this is it, and you just yeah. know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. And then you find like, out somebody else has the book by the same name. I was so sure that someone had the dot com and book title of my new book coming out, The Other F Word. I was so sure. Nope. I've got it and I got Woo! the site. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I was like, that, that, that really? Okay, it's mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in trouble before. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, even though they're listening to every word we're saying and spying on us, you know, but they come in handy. <laughs> of course, of course. Hey, how did you like my uh, little little slide-ins there with uh, your introduction? Because people don't know this, but myself and Marie we chat at times, and and <laughs> there's a couple of things that you posted. You crack me up. I know you're a serious person, supposedly, but I don't think so because these Facebook posts have me dying. And, you know, as a writer, and you are so prolific, I mean, my goodness, you, <laughs> you you get people, and I've had it too, come up and say, hey, I have a fantastic story. I'm so great. You should write it for me. <laughs> well, first of all, you know, writing is serious. And a lot of the stuff I write is like, oh, my God, it's so serious. Research intensive. So when I go on social networking, all I want to do is be a goofball because it's my way of like venting, you know, after a hard day of researching something really serious. Yeah. And um, it's just gotten to the point where people kind of expect it from me. And I, but, but you know what? There's so much, oh, there's so much crap on social networking, people fighting and opinions yeah. and negativity and i really don't feel like anybody cares about my opinion but if i can make you laugh then you're gonna feel a little bit better you know about going about your day and but yes <laughs> i have people all the time messaging and and i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but yeah messaging or emailing i have a great story would you write it and i used to be really polite yeah Oh, well, oh, you know, but, and now it's just, you need to write it. I have my own stories. Thank you. <laughs> that's all I yeah. say now. It's well, like, that's why I generously oh. offered that, you know, anybody just approach you and ask in your intro. <laughs> hey, if they want to pay me a large sum of money, I'll write their story. I mean, I think it's really funny that a lot of people assume writing is not hard work and that it's really easy and, I just finished a novel that I, I honestly was one of the hardest things I've ever written because I didn't have a real detailed outline, and I sort of I sort of just wrote it as it went along. And it, I'm exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally. And if you say that, people just kind of like, oh, really, you, you don't even work. There's a chunk of your soul in the book for crying out loud. And and nonfiction is research and then double checking and triple checking and oh my god brain drain but people assume because you sit and you know work at home it's not real work and so they'll say things like oh i have a great idea for a screenplay will you write it uh, will you pay me <laughs> so i'm 
nice anymore just because it, you know, it annoys me that people just make that assumption. Yeah, my goodness. It's it's hilarious, though. But people, they, they come across so innocent, like they really think, yeah, it's, you could just pop this out. But, you know, jumping over to your 15 megalithic books that you've got oh, out there. No. I think I'm in. Oh, you broke up there for a second. What was that? Oh, I said, I think I'm up to 18 now. Oh. <laughs> I'm up to 18. My... I know. My goodness. I don't know. I'm trying to compete with Nick Redfern, but I don't oh, think I'm ever going to catch up with him. That man, he just, he, I think he, like, lays in bed, throws one arm over onto the floor, onto his laptop, and lets it do the work while he's sleeping, because I don't get it. Yeah. I don't see how he does this like stuff. So you're making the rest of us look bad, dude. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, that... he's wonderful. I, I love every book that he writes. But Yes, he's very cool. Oh. My Ooh. goodness. So you have books on. <laughs> I, I don't know. What do you not have a book on? Okay, we got super volcanoes. We've got aliens. We've got mind wars. <laughs> we've got viral mythology, um, power of archetypes. Um <laughs> The Hybrid King, I mean, the Deja Vu, Enigma, I, you, everything sounds so juicy. <laughs> I, I, gone are the days when I'll take any writing job. I just really want to write what what excites me because if you're going to spend, especially nonfiction, if you're going to spend six to nine months writing and, re, you know, researching and writing, and then another several years talking about it, it has to be something that you really are excited about. Otherwise, it's just not worth the work. It's just that, not worth it. That's true. You put out a book, and especially these on these topics, they kind of are timeless, and you will forever be asked, you know, when you wrote this paragraph on page 302, yeah, well, I really well, liked that quote there. And it's like, huh? What? I'm like, I wrote that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Man, I don't well, have as many. And I, I get is, those moments. Is now, um, yeah, did I say it's hard now because I, it's hard to come up with new ideas that haven't been written about by, you know, a million other people. Yeah. So with especially with nonfiction, um, and then if you try to, you know, for me to try to stay in the the niche that I've sort of been in, which is paranormal, metaphysics, ancient knowledge, that kind of niche, it's getting really, really hard to think up anything new. And um, I actually ventured way outside because my next book is a disaster survival guide. Ooh. So. It doesn't have any ghost anything in it. <laughs> it's appropriate for the times and the, the those that are in power are in power and what's going on in the world. So, yeah, we need yeah. to know this it's stuff. Something that I'm really well trained in. And I thought, I really want to start writing about things that I know about, you know, in my normal day-to-day -day life. And I was really excited to be able to do that. The book that I'm working on now is uh, about famous ghosts and famous haunted locations and it's really fun because it's just uh, the research is just fun oh. you know it's like goes to Abraham Lincoln or Marilyn Monroe or what have you and um, yeah notorious haunted locations so so that'll be fun but but sometimes it's like I can't think of anything 
new under the sun when it comes to the paranormal, which kind of says something about the field, that there isn't a whole lot new to, to talk about. Or that, you know, guys like Nick and, and David Weatherly and other people haven't written about and done a much better job than I could ever do. So it gets hard. Oh, I bet. I bet. My goodness, but you ventured off into script writing. Tell a little bit about what, what is it that you're doing? Well, I actually started out when I was a teenager writing um, fiction. I wanted to be a novelist, uh, writing short stories. And, and, and then I started when I was in my early 20s writing screenplays. So that's actually what I, you know, what I started doing. And then I kind of veered off into nonfiction almost by accident. I really had never planned on writing nonfiction. It just sort of fell into my lap. Yeah. And it was, you know, I kept getting asked to do more and more books to where I kind of was exclusively doing that for several years. And then up until a couple of years ago, I, I started feeling like, oh, my God, you know, if I don't do something different, I'm going to scream. And I decided I wanted to pull out some of my old novels and revamp them, rewrite them, revise them, and my scripts that I had written and write a bunch of new ones. And I had signed with um, a manager and an agent. And so that's all kind of, it sounds like it's something new that I'm doing to people that don't know that that's actually what I started doing and kind of detoured from. Ah. Yeah, I see. I see. Very cool. But yeah, you know, it's fun. It's all it's all a different type of writing. So it's like a different exercise for your parts of your brain. Right. Definitely. And the interesting part. So you've got this real inventive, creative side, but you are rather. Hmm. How can I put? It? You're you're rather um, scientific in your approach to writing about the paranormal and other conundrums <laughs> going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is which is kind of cool. I mean, we need that out there. You know, a lot of people appreciate that angle, and it's it's so needed. So, I, I mean, it's kind of a an, an interesting. You know, this is a thing. If we all just wrote about experiences, and if we all just wrote about you know what happened here and there, and, and not backed it up with like the kind of research that you apply to things, I mean it gives less credibility to the paranormal in general or these odd sciences. So, you know, kudos to you for helping to lend some credibility in your brains and brain power to this. So, Hey, well, thank you. <laughs> and, and well, here, so here's the thing. Okay. So I grew up with, my mom is like really creative. She's an artist and tells stories. My dad is, was, he passed away a few years ago. So he was a geophysicist. He was a scientist. And so I grew up from a very early age. I loved science. I I loved it. Any kind of, you know, and he had a lot of textbooks and books around the house that even though I couldn't understand a thing they were saying, because most of them were like astrophysics and, and physics and geophysics, um, I just, I loved nature. And that was my introduction to science from wow. when I was very young. So as very I was growing up, but at the same time, I was totally into ghosts and UFOs. From a, I'm talking from like four or five years old. Oh, and okay. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I don't think anything ever happened, and nobody seems to know of anything that did. But 
it's almost like I, I just had this awareness that, you know, the, the world around me had a different level to it. And every now and then I'd kind of get a little glimpse of it maybe somehow. And I, I was a voracious reader. I read books like they were going out of style. So I feel like I got to ride like both sides of the fence, the creative and the scientific. And as I got older, you know, you hear it like you said, people say, oh, I had this experience. Oh, I had this happen. And it got to the point where it's like, I want to know how. What, what, is the, what are the mechanisms that might be behind? What is the science behind the paranormal because there is a science and we don't know what it is yet we're learning i think you know sometimes we get that game where you play oh you're hot you're getting hotter now you're cold yes right right (laughs) now and then then we get cold again so i'm almost at the point where don't tell me your experience i've heard them all (laughs) (laughs) i want to know i'm trying you know for me the fascination is trying to figure out the the what and the how and um and i really do think that science can explain everything it's just again catching up with it and and i think physics and quantum physics and you know the science of consciousness and the understanding of the human brain and the mind um that's sort of the direction that i really like to 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 look in and explore Wow, very cool, very cool. I, you know what, we'll have to talk after this show because I think I have something that may be a cool, groundbreaking topic for you to talk about in another book of, at some point. Yeah, something that, um, yeah. It's <laughs> it's it's a little different. I. I'll just. I'll have to remember our. Remember our last. Was it our last discussion where we talked about the things on the ceilings? <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. Oh, that's funny. Oh my goodness. I still. Ah. I still have a hard time looking at the ceiling. I'm telling you. Ah. <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's so. Uh, yeah, those types of things they they just kind of stick with you, don't they? <laughs> you know. You know. And it's, yeah, and then you like I, I watched a movie earlier, The Mist, Stephen King's movie. I've seen it eight million times, and I never noticed that they had one scene where you know they look up and there are these things kind of hanging from cocoons from the ceiling. And I'm thinking, dang it, you see, don't ever look up at the ceiling. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, you know, one of the things that I, I thought would be neat to talk about, and you suggested even for tonight, you have a book on demons i mean this lady does i don't think there's any dark cave this lady has not explored with her brain and i'm like demons tell us a little bit about that book i mean there is no crevasse on you know i mean you dug deep it's pretty pretty fascinating stuff well so my agent lisa said you know there's a new publisher that would like to work with you visible ink press and I didn't really have an idea. They they kind of came to me and Larry with this idea to do a, a sort of almost like an, an encyclopedic book because that's what they do. Their books are huge and they're really long. <laughs> um, on Demons, the Devil, and Fallen Angels. and But from a sort of objective point of view where they wanted the history of like these concepts, and how did they evolve in religion and mythology and, you know, past 
past history and and how we view them today and the influence pop culture. I mean, every possible thing you could think of is in this book. It is absolutely comprehensive, and that's because that's what was expected of us. So it's not necessarily a book that I would have chosen to write, um, mainly because I, you know, I, like demonology and those types of things, they're not, you know, they're not super fun to write about. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it's scary. Um, And also it's just, you know, yeah, I was like, oh, really? My God, the history concepts, that's going to take forever. Uh, But it was absolutely fascinating to do and to learn you know, how evil, how the whole idea of evil came about and the duality of good and bad and and the just sort of trace the evolution of these ideas to present day. So I think this book, I think we covered everything. Said, oh, you forgot to write about, you know. <laughs> Jeez. Do, do you have a most despicable demon that you've come across? <laughs> Well, so here's the thing, and I know, you know, a lot of people are going to think I'm full of crap, but hey, I'm the writer. I get to say what I want. That's so right. I, I, one of the things about researching is that you go to the point of origin and you try to find where a concept or an idea began. Mm-hmm. All of all of my fears over these subjects disappeared by researching the origins of the concepts of good and evil and how when we were, you know, primitive human, looking at the world around us, natural things that were happening, whether it be a wonderful rainstorm that allowed, you know, green plants to grow that we could then eat, to a volcanic eruption that killed half of our tribe or village or whatever. Yeah. We started, we started to categorize things as good and evil we, or good or bad. You know, good or bad for me personally and for my, my group, okay. my family. And so from there, you know, it evolved from there. And, and different religions put their stamp and their spin on it and mythology and folklore and fairy tales. So which all to me is so fascinating because I love seeing the, the way things that evolve. It's almost like watching a little seed become, you know, a big giant tree. But the, the weird thing is, is that I was really scared and people were telling me, don't write about these subjects because you're going to get attacked by demons. Don't say their names, you know, mm-hmm. don't um, have a lot of respect. And, and, I got really scared because I am kind of a suggestor. You know, you say things to me and I will kind of look around like with the ceilings. (laughs) (laughs) You got to share about that ceiling thing. You know, don't like spiders on ceilings. So, but I, you know, I, I kind of thought, well, let me, let me, let me, it's like trying to get over the fear of heights. Let me try to work with my fears by really looking at where a lot of this came from. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but uh, the general, you know, what really fascinated me was the core concept that we have this need to identify and categorize things based on what they do to us. And that began from the, the first day that humans, you know, crawled out of the water 
and decided that an asteroid impact bad. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, a tree full of edible berries, good. <laughs> that was really cool. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of really creepy stuff. Like, there's no way in hell that I would go into a haunted museum by myself with dolls and clowns in it. Okay, I'm not stupid. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to do it. Right, right. It's like, look. Well, I, me, I... Going back to the science part of it. Yeah. Um, one thing that's always kind of fascinated me is, do we have something to do with you know, the manifestation of these things, do I have to believe in something in order for it to uh, influence me or be a part of my reality? And I'm not a Christian. So I wondered as I was writing, and Larry's Jewish, you know, okay. and so I wondered, I wondered, like, does that have anything to do maybe with the fact that I've not had to deal with these things, or am I just lucky? So it opened <laughs> up a can of worms. Times that I really felt nervous is uh, somebody, and I don't remember if it was David Weatherly or somebody said, when you start to write about demons, you're going to have a lot of computer and cell phone issues, like yeah, you know, technology, like tricksters, and that did happen. Oh, see? But that also happened when I wrote, uh, that happened even worse when I wrote with Larry Mind Wars about uh, cults and mind control and MKUltra. Oh, that's because and, they're uh, spying on you, of course. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, so, you know, I'm <laughs> kind of like, what's going on here? You know, but maybe is it my fear that's like, you know, emanating outward and affecting my technology or are these little, you know, are they trying to let me know, hey? Or, or hey, the government were the demons. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you, but, you know, we've, we've, we've got to get to our first break. You guys, you're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander, and we will be right back with Marie D. Jones. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Remember, always if it's weird, we're here, and so is Marie D. Jones, who's just as weird as they come. So we were talking a, a little bit on, on uh, touching on the demon topic because you've got this thick book of demons. I mean, I thought I talked about demons, and you're aware of the hat man phenomenon. What have you have you? What do you think about that whole phenomenon? Because so many people have witnessed it, and you're talking about potentially how. You know, are we conjuring this stuff up on our own? And you know, there's a whole sleep paralysis. Uh, I don't know, theory out there where they think that, oh, you know, we're, we're all hallucinating the same hallucination. I mean, you're more of a scientific sort, so what's your thoughts on it? You know, it's funny, and thank you, by the way, for, for your wonderful contributions to the book in those areas, because I think this is like the new, the next, you know, what is it, Star Trek, where they say the next dimension of something. I think... Where paranormal research is going is in the direction of looking at the possibility that some of these things are not of this world. And I don't mean that in an alien UFO, you know, they're from Saturn sense. I, I mean that more as they may be from other realities, uh, parallel universes or, or other dimensions. And, as science fictiony as that sounds, there's really a growing body of 
scientific, I, I don't necessarily want to say proof, but just, you know, sort of corresponding evidence that really points to that possibility. So these things act like they're coming in and out of our reality from somewhere else. and Def- Definitely. You know, they just don't have the same... And I think even ghosts, you know, why do we, I think for so long we just decided that ghosts and UFOs and cryptids were all from somewhere on Earth. (laughs) Or somewhere. You're Paul. I'm the new Sprintern. Uh, Sprint plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? Look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because. They have an all glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to. uh, Going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow. Now lease one iPhone 8 and get a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 29 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 29 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18-month leases. Early termination results in full balance too. Exclusive stack subject to credit and third activation. Restrictions apply. From our solar system or our universe, but now we have the possibility of looking at the idea that they exist alongside of us. Um, often outside of our perception, which explains, I think, why some people see things and some people don't. You know, we all have a different perception on things and that they may be interdimensional. I, Larry and I call them IDEs, interdimensional and entities. Oh. And I, just with the hat man and shadow people and... You know, there's the sort of just Mothman, this really bizarre, creepy, very otherworldly entities that we can't really categorize them as ghosts, and we really can't call them aliens. They're, they're mm. com- but they're not coming from, you know, Zeta Reticuli. You know what I don't like about that thought? It's like, hold on, all these creepy things can get the drop on us when they feel like it but apparently we don't know how to poke our heads in there without having a crystal ball or or a crystal under our pillow or something i mean that that's not quite fair i don't like i don't like these things getting the drop on us and swooping down maybe when you have nightmares that's exactly what you're doing (laughs) oh you know that's that's okay let's look at aliens so really advanced civilizations are going to be able to do things that we can't, you know, or a less advanced civilization can do. And so these, whatever these things are, you know, they, they may have laws of physics in their reality that allow them to come through and manifest here and then go back to where they're from. And we don't understand those laws, so we call it, you know, magic or supernatural or whatever. And and it just could be a different set of laws of what governs living things or whatever, you know, in these other realities. And I think it's a lot of that could be the same with, like, these cryptozoological creatures where people will say, well, you know, my husband and I were out for a walk and... All of a sudden, this thing just appeared, and it had these red glowing eyes, and and then it sounded like static, and it just sort of popped out of existence. And you hear that over and over and over again, and even with UFO sightings and even some types of apparitions, to where it sounds like something is trying to almost project itself into our, you know, three-dimensional world from somewhere else, and it, it 
sometimes people will say things like, well, it wasn't really solid. It looked like it was transparent. Or blending with shadows like the hat man's able yes. to do, though he shadows, can be quite, yeah, made out of quite shadows solid. And, yeah. and, you know, or an absence of light, if you want to put it the other way. That's and, and But I liked what you said before. I mean, is it possible that the darkest recesses of our minds are are creating these sort of fearful images? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't I really I, don't know. I don't. But. I just don't. You know, it's like, what are the odds that we are all seeing the same darn thing? I lean towards this is really something because right. it's just yeah, too exactly. particular. I mean, a hat, a suit, a cape, a trench coat, really. It's like glowing red eyes. It's so, and I still get emails saying, I thought it was the only one. It, it still get those. They're, yeah. they're just blown away i'm like we are definitely getting like dropped in on without our saying uh that's okay come on in buddy Uh, you know over here in chicago i don't know if you've heard but you know chicago in the movies we're gotham city for batman there is a real batman here did you hear about this creature flapping around kind of like mothman I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I live right close to where they're seeing this thing. And I'm, you just can't I go down by the lake. I'm like, where are you? I put down some, uh, some Cheetos. Here's some, here's some Cheetos. I got a bag of Cheetos. Come on. <laughs> yeah. How funny. It's like, you, you okay, know, so what are these things? Are people misidentifying something and then it kind of goes viral and, you know, everybody gets all excited. Like, okay, so here's a good example of that. So um, a few months ago when Elon Musk, when SpaceX launched one of the right. rockets at night, um, you know, everybody was calling me and texting me, oh, my God, you got to come. There's a UFO. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I ran outside from where I was and looked up, and it was like, oh, that is really freaky. But just, you know, going on Twitter and people were talking about the name of the rocket, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh. Yeah. But before, before you know, we knew what it was, we were, like my family and friends, we were all telling each other, oh, my God, it's a UFO. So and, oh, my God, Marie's not nuts. If, <laughs> right. Like, you see, you see the hat man and you're terrified, right? Right. And so you tell a really close friend, you know, I can't talk about this with anybody, but I saw this horrific thing. That person is the power of belief and suggestion strong enough to get them to to think they saw it. Or, like you said, is it the simpler explanation? It's just there and it doesn't appear. They don't. They don't appear to everybody because they're not walking around like the neighborhood. They're popping in and out of existence. And it seems that none of them really can stay in our reality for very long. Mm. Almost like, you know, the how, how long does the average sighting of anything last? Usually just a few seconds. Maybe right. with lights in the sky, UFOs, you know, a few minutes. Right. But... Most of the people that I know that have seen ghosts, they're, you know, they, the sightings seem to be brief, almost as if they can't stay here long enough to, you know, for 2,000 people to see them. Right. So I and, don't know. I don't know. And I'm mm-hmm. just really fascinated by 
asking those questions. Like, why is this stuff so erratic? And it, why is it that you and I can be in the same room and you will see an apparition and I can't see it? Right. Are you imagining it? <laughs> no. No, I I've mean, been, maybe, yeah. you know, your sense of perception is a little skewed from mine mm-hmm. to allow you to see the, you know, the x-ray uh, spectrum or to hear things that I can't hear. There was a really cool thing on Facebook a while back. I don't know if you did it, but somebody posted and went viral. And it allowed you to listen to frequencies from the very, very low infrasound all the way up, you know, way, way, way high, like higher than a dog could hear. And so what people were doing is you you play it, and then you would comment what, at what uh, frequency you could start to hear. Oh. And it was really, really interesting to see the variations. Not huh. everybody starts to hear at, you know, 114,000 whatever megahertz. <clears throat> Everybody was a little bit different. And some people could not hear, like, the deeper sounds. And others couldn't hear the really high-pitched frequencies. So is it the same with the paranormal? Is it the same with our vision? That, you know, you might be able to see a shadow man in the Mm -hmm. corner. And there's something about the way my eyes and my brain is that I'm not able to perceive it. That makes sense. And you know what I find absolutely fascinating, and I I wonder what you think of this. I I do another show called UFO Headline News, and oftentimes I'm reading these reports of people that are watching something. They could be watching a UFO for moments to minutes, and the second their eyes look away, they can't find it again. It's like there's a connection for that amount of time. It's like don't look away. Don't try to grab your phone to take a picture. Don't try to get your friends. But sometimes they can get their friends, but less often not. And it's just gone. It's like I just looked away for a second. It's like is it the way light is refracting on our eyes just that certain moment and we're able to keep track and keep in tune? I mean, or are they aware that they're allowing themselves to be seen? I mean, what do you think that is? And and it could also be like, so, you know, when you're out in the country or out in the boonies and you're trying to get your favorite radio station, only the the um, the broadcast strength or whatever is not real strong. So you're kind of, oh, you're, you can hear half a song and then it and then it's static and then you can't hear anything. And then the song comes back and then another station kind of breaks in. I just I wonder if it's like that with this this energy, with the visible energy, the visible part of the spectrum that we're working with, that it kind of fluctuates in and out of our vision or out in and out of our perception, just like a distant radio signal will kind of, you know, come into tune and then go out of tune and then disappear completely and then come on really strong when you walk around the other side of the house. Yeah. And because, because that's where the, you know, antenna is and it could be something as simple as that. And I, and I also kind of feel like, are we, excuse me, are we supposed to see this stuff all the time? You know, maybe we're, the way that our brains are structured and built, we're not supposed to perceive other realities 
Because we, think about we, it. And we'd I, go I really bat crap crazy if we did. about this. If you do, how are you ever going to focus on one reality yeah. and, and right. actually live a life? You'd be going crazy. Yep, bat crap crazy. I'm, I'm sure of it. it you know, I, I cannot help but to wonder, too, with some of these UFO reports that I, I go through, and I, I go through quite a, quite a few, and the people that are looking at their, their – I had a, had a story I was reading recently, and this gentleman is, is looking at their iPad, and they're filming this really cool place that they're vacationing, and, and they're taking snapping pictures. On the screen – they see clearly a black mass, and it's like kind of triangular shaped like a UFO, but it's distorting the the air around it. And, and they move the iPad down, there's nothing. They move the iPad back, it's there. And they have several pictures, and they're like, I'm not seeing things. What is going on here? It's like, what is the difference between the frequency or the way that our eyeballs can take something in and and our camera lenses are able to get it? I mean, orbs and rods and all sorts of stuff. It's like our our skies can be ridden and riddled exactly. with so much. But our and you think know, about your crazy. pets, right? Yeah. If you have a cat and and even dogs, but it gets more 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 prevalent with cats, and they'll just start kind of staring at the wall and like you know their eyes are darting around and they're seeing different spectrums of the electromagnetic range of frequencies like the X ray and. Uh, you know, gamma ray or whatever. I, I know, well, I mean, yeah, so take an x-ray. We can't see inside our arm or our leg, but an x-ray can. So it's almost like the x-ray has a better perception of, of a reality that we can't see than we do. And so maybe a camera, you know, the way that a camera processes light and filters light and records light is able to get that, able to capture it where our own eyes just fail to. I, I don't know, but it seems like there's stuff there that right. our cats and our dogs and sometimes even little children will do that too. They'll act like they're talking to somebody, they'll be staring at something, and you're like, what? Now, um, there is a there is an angle there, Marie. Now... To see what is the, how do a child's vision uh, develop compared to an adult's vision that they're interpreting? Because these little stinkers, they sure can see better than we can, this other world yeah. that's interacting with ours. I don't know what it is, but well, I've been in a crowd of, I've been oh, in a crowd of people with uh, a UFO <laughs> sighting, and I clearly and distinctly saw a diamond-shaped UFO that was purple. Half of us saw purple, half of us saw blue. Yeah, and yeah. and described it not being diamond-shaped. Some said it was just uh, triangular-shaped. And I'm like, it was clearly like two pyramid bottoms put together tumbling through the sky like dice is what I saw, and not everybody saw that. And yeah, I've heard... Med some Medjug people won't see anything, right? <laughs> yes, and like, there you was know? also, I think it was a Medjugorje uh, miracle where they said they saw Mary or whatever, uh, the dancing sun, and some said they saw a UFO. It wasn't a dancing sun. It's like, you know, our interpretations, the way it hits our eyeballs and processes through our brain 
something is askew or somebody's drunk or high. I don't know which one it is. Well, you know, we, as, as similar as we are, we're also all different in the way that we perceive things. But what's interesting with children is uh, one of the things that I learned is that up until the age of about seven or eight, children's brain waves are mainly alpha. And those are the waves that are present during like, you know, really good awareness and and even meditation, because when you're meditating, you're very much aware of the present. You're aware of the present moment. And then as they get older, the alpha, you know, is it's not the most prevalent brainwave. And it certainly isn't for adults. And I always thought, oh, I wonder if that has, if, you know, their brains are just a little bit sharp, a little clearer, a little more aware of their surroundings, probably because children need to learn everything you know they're they're learning as they go everything is new to them so they need to perceive as much as they can and then as adults we just are like so jaded and distracted and we don't half the time we don't know what's going on to the right or left (laughs) of us and and you know it's and it's like something can walk right past you (laughs) and you're going to be so distracted or just maybe tired or not quite focused the way that a child is focused on every single experience as if it's, you know, because it is, it's new to them. So they're just totally there. And I always thought that that, because I remember when I was a kid, I mean, you remember that feeling of awe and wonder that you have looking at a leaf, <laughs> right? <laughs> a leaf, big deal, you know? Right. And I got to so, rank those things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, I I thought that that was fascinating. One thing that Larry Flaxman learned from some uh, paranormal experiments that he did, excuse me, is that one of the prevalent uh, brain waves that he saw during uh, people who claimed to be psychic or channeling or, you know, mediums talking with spirits was gamma and that was really kind of surprising because nobody had ever talked about the gamma waves before. It was always in the deeper state, like, you know, it is if you're asleep or you're in a really deep, deep, deep meditation. So it's kind of like, okay, we're still figuring out our own brains. And, you know, we keep trying to explain this stuff as being external to us and we don't have anything to do with that. But the truth is that we do because we're the ones observing it. Fascinating. You know, where do you, I always wonder this and there's like this ethereal debate of what is the soul attached to? Is it our solar plexus or is it the brain? Is it the, you know, it's like, is there a certain point that, and all of your things that you've come across, is there a consensus or, or a more popular answer to, you know, where's the point of entry? <laughs> God, is that like the debate that, you know, continues and probably will never be solved? Because we still are debating about whether the brain and mind are the same thing. Right. Is consciousness located in the body or is it external to it and acting upon the brain? And that's stuff that I think is like the cutting edge of, you know, the new science, the science of mind and consciousness. 
and it, you know, a lot of people will equate consciousness with the soul, whatever it is that's external to us that carries on after we die, as if it is a separate thing from the brain. Like the brain is the tool that consciousness or the soul uses to experience life or express itself, whatever. But that is like, yeah, I mean, that's still a huge debate. And I tend to think that mind and brain are separate, two separate things. Your brain is a functional thing. <laughs> it's a functional yeah. organ. And mind seems to, to be something that is not only external to it, but working through it to give you conscious awareness and, you know, to sort of connect you to that higher reality. But the, the brain is part of the just purely physical human what it means to be human but that's just me marie i am not kidding you several years ago i had a patient god bless him who put a shotgun in his mouth and blew off the top of his head the oh, man geez. had no forehead and was walking and mumbling a bit but how on mind <laughs> mind and so you know what i'm saying i'm like did, was I looking at a two-dimensional, three-dimensional, fourth-dimensional person? I mean, it was wow. like, where's his forehead? Oh, he blew that off. What? Oh, the whole thing. I'm like, I, I just don't understand. I'm like, aren't, didn't we need that? I thought we needed that. Yeah, I, I, mean, I remember <laughs> hearing about a, a little, you know, a baby that was born without a brain stem. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, and it's alive. I don't think it lived very long, but I don't know. It's just so fascinating. You know, and I remember reading, oh, well, the brain is like a transceiver. It can transmit and receive information. But the information is coming from somewhere else, <laughs> you know? It's it like sure consciousness. is. Yeah, it's just. And I think when we have like a paranormal experience, really what we're doing is stepping outside of the very constricting confines of the brain to whatever else is out there maybe his his mind <laughs> saw the bullet coming and jumped out of the way and tucked oh itself God. Did, behind mean, his ears i don't know did he, he didn't survive did he or yes or what? he did he was he walking did. talking it was <laughs> oh my god that's, okay that's so how that's how creepy that's <laughs> how i met the man i was like well you know i didn't know him before he blew his brains <laughs> out but, I mean, how do you go walking around talking yeah. to, I mean, come on. I was like. That's really freaky. It was beyond. And I hated when he took his, his helmet off because I could see what was left of his brain. Oh I was like, God. no, put your helmet back on. Put it back on, please. Oh. <laughs> well, it's also like those, you know, like a savant or a prodigy where, you know, part of their brain is is active that's not in us so they can speak 85 languages and play yeah. classical piano at the age of three and you know it's just like well we well so other parts of the brain that are dormant when they become active we become these sort of superhumans but right. we can also miss huge parts of the brain and still function and you know what it's the heck crazy. is going on here do we need well, this brain or not <laughs> the the brain injuries that result in people p playing grand pianos i've seen that as well it's like you know or getting the accents i mean it's just just nuts but we've got to get to our next break this is fascinating i love chatting with you about anything and everything you guys you're listening to me Heidi Hollis, the outlander and we will be right back 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander. I've got Marie D. Jones, who is the guru of all things bizarre. How do you like that, Marie? (laughs) The bizarre guru. There you go. There you go. With a scientific twist. (laughs) I mean, that makes you quite unique. And to be a lady who does this stuff. I mean, it's a man's world and in the science world, most especially, and and in the paranormal world, I mean, my goodness, you. Uh, why is that? We're the ones that ask the most questions, and and you know, really, <laughs> kind of. I have found, and I'll probably get a lot of flack for this, but I have found that females in the paranormal um, will really tend to be more aggressive about trying to go outside of the box and think outside of the box. Mm. And I wonder and if that's why I don't get invited to any conferences. Well, you know what? <laughs> I think, uh, well, I mean, here it is. I named Shadow People and Hat Man, and there's people going up there talking about my work. They don't invite me either. And I'm like, uh, hold on. Yeah, that's like, my that's uh, my book you're talking my about. Books. You just reference me, but you don't yeah. invite me? Oh, they I don't even had, reference. Uh, I did a... <laughs> they don't even reference. They make it seem like it came up with it all by yeah. themselves. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I did a, a, a radio show years ago where, and I forgot which show it was. It wasn't yours because yours is the best. But, <laughs> but <laughs> of um, course. the host said, you know, have you experienced sexism in this field? And I said, yeah. Oh, yeah. I never get asked to any conferences to talk about the books that I've written that have a little more of a science edge. (laughs) And I said, probably because guys don't want some chick getting up there and no one more than they do. You know what I mean? And and that's the honest to God truth. Yeah. I've been treated like crap by a lot of people because I'm not just, you know, Mm -hmm. one of these little starlets that chases ghosts and keeps their mouth shut. Right. You know, I've written more books than most of the people that are out there speaking. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Your I don't know. Sells. I don't know if it's getting better or worse. I just now I'm just kind of do my thing, and it's like, well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, but for a while books, it was really weird. It's like, hello, do you do. not know that I'm here? Hello, <laughs> you just referenced my book, Science. <laughs> yeah, that's so crazy. Um, but the name but, Marie is female. Do you get that? Right, right, right. <laughs> Right. But you know what? Your books do sell. I know that. I know your books sell well. (laughs) It's just so bizarre. But yeah. They need to sell. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, that's hard too. And it's hard. And it's funny because, you know, you and I share the same uh, book agent. And one of the conversations that I've had with her is that we're finding that these types of books are not selling as well as they used to because people feel like. It's on the internet. I can get that information for free. So why do I need to pay 10, 11, 12 bucks to buy your book? Now, you know, they're not going to go find that information on their own because research is really hard work. But just that mentality of, hmm. well, I can I can find that. I don't need to buy the book. Thanks for it's, Google. It's kind of funny. Yeah, Google. I'll find it on Google. It's like, well, yeah, well, right. but go look on Wikipedia. There you Google go. Google has scanned <laughs> all of our books, though, remember? They've scanned all of our books, and it's they are searchable on Google. And, you know, and just, yeah. just to back up a little bit what you were saying about, you know, people like, oh, come on. They wouldn't judge you as a lady to go and talk about the paranormal and science. Oh, yes. You know how many times I have been approached by television producers who yeah. are like, 
They don't want a lady to be the main one. Can can you teach a guy to do what you do, and and then we'll have you as his sidekick? I mean, they pretty much have asked me that repeatedly. I'm like, um, I named and defined two paranormal phenomena, and you want me to give it to him to do? No, thank you. You know, it's just crazy. I have been told that over and over. Oh, Oh, they don't want a lady to be the lead on this. Well, it's my work. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? Yeah, then it gets to the point where you start to kind of catch on when these producers contact you. Yeah. Because I had one who just, oh, you know, we want you to be the lead person. And, okay, so can you do some research on this? And stupidly, I did it, and I gave her the research and never heard from her again. So now, excuse me, if anybody calls and says, you, you know, Oh, we have this show. You know, could you research something? It's like, yeah, okay, pay me, yeah, hundred, yeah. two hundred bucks an hour for research, yeah, and that has <laughs> happened. Yeah, and and hearing it that it's happened to you just reinforces for oh, me yes. the same thing. It's ridiculous. Over and over. What, well, we, my favorite, my favorite is when they call you and they're like. Uh, well, we'd like you to be an expert guest, but do you have some people who have experienced this as well, and you would be talking to them on it? They have no way to access people who have experienced things, so they try to milk you for all that you got with empty promises of stuff. And I'm like, look, I, I know this game. Um, Talk to my agent, please, because I'm not playing yeah. it. You know, it's like, yeah. no, no. <laughs> it's like, not get, you're not crazy. getting it at me for free. <laughs> oh, my God, the paranormal and UFO. Story. I gave up a social life for this. <laughs> you know, people don't realize it's like when you go into this field, it is not a big money maker, people. I don't care what you think. You all. do this because you're passionate about finding the truth, <laughs> sharing the truth, educating people on it, and you put a lot of your heart and soul into it, and you get a lot of raised eyebrows because of the subject matter. But mostly, you know, people are really curious. And it's like, you know, it's it's really uh, – it's something that you do for for passion. It really is. It's really passionate Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, I I so dig like everything that that you stand for, and and you you got this this television show project, this Maybelline. Uh, how is that coming along? It is. Uh, so let me tell you, when they tell you that anything happens like overnight success, it's not true. Uh, especially in television and and feature films my god does it take forever so it's it is moving very slowly up the chain of command at a a couple of big companies that i'm not permitted to say yeah are looking for showrunners and you know once they find a showrunner then you can pretty much assure that they're going to go ahead and put it into production wow and so uh, my agent or my manager will, you know, call or email, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, it's like, all right, forward movement. And then it <laughs> then it'll stop for the next three months and we'll hear nothing. Uh, so it is. You're Paul. I'm the new sprinter. Uh, sprint plus. Intern. Yeah. Clever, right? I'm gonna... Look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah. Because they have an all glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to. Uh... Going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow. Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, Sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 2917 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 2917 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18-month leases. Early termination results in full balance. Two school stacks subject to credit and third activation. Restrictions apply. Just, and so, and I have a number of projects that are doing that. 
whether TV or feature film, where I'll get 25 phone calls in two days and everything. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, and I'm so excited <laughs> and everything is like, get this to me now, blah, 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 frantic. And then three months go by and there's still there's no word. And Hurry then all up and of a wait. Sudden it happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so and I wait. always yeah. tell writers, don't get into TV and film unless you can deal with that. Yeah. And it can go on for years before you actually sell something. <laughs> You'll have people say, oh, but, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, do you realize that it took George Lucas years and years just to get a studio to take Star Wars and, you know, nothing, nothing. It, you're, you're better off going and writing a novel and self-publishing it if you want yeah. something with your name on it really quickly. And Stephen King, didn't he get turned down like 40 times? And he was a school teacher. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like people have – got to really believe in your projects and your product. And, yeah, it's like yeah, – Or get if it. you have money, you want to go make a little independent short film. But, you know, you better, again, be prepared for a couple of years of running it through the film festival circuit. And – it's it's but it, it is exciting and Maybelline it is. is such a it's you know one of the most iconic brands in the world oh, and wow. the story is so fascinating people have no idea the drama and the family intrigue and you know the the anything from murders and arson and this that wow. that goes on and I'm you know not saying all that necessarily with Maybelline, but there is a lot of incredible drama uh, that happened for Maybelline to become, if, you know, one of the biggest cosmetic brands, if not the biggest, from 1919 to today. So it's, it's just a really big, sprawling uh, kind of dynasty or, you know, Dallas, but with cosmetics. Mm -hmm. and Wow. So it's getting up there. And I, I have a feeling something will happen. But by then, I'll probably be like, oh, all right, well, whatever. Nothing phase <laughs> no, you. I, I, For the longest time, you and my friends had a good old time saying, you know, oh, maybe that's a, a train. No, maybe it's Maybelline. You know, we could just say that to anything. Right? You yeah, know, little, maybe it's Maybelline. Yeah, <laughs> it applies to so, everything. So, yeah, but it's really, oh, it's, um, when I read the book that it's based on, um, I, I, was, I was just blown away. I couldn't believe what this iconic brand, you know, what was behind it, what the families went through, and it literally spans you know, so many generations from, again, the 1920s to today and through two world wars and Vietnam and cosmetics were so important during world wars. And I didn't really know that, but they were uh, keeping women glamorous and beautiful was a, a morale booster for soldiers, you know, that were away fighting at wars. And it's just absolutely fascinating stuff you know okay. i have i have to oh. say this is this is so crazy it's like you know we think because uh you know oh grandma's so stately and proper and oh you know because it was the old days that people were so prim and trim and you know i was watching a a, a documentary anderson cooper essentially <laughs> interviewing his mother mrs vanderbilt and uh oh. Wow. <laughs> you know, if my mother did what his mother had done and scandalous, just 
just a homewrecker of sorts, and you're trying to interview her with a straight face. I just, I'm like, there goes some history for you there, Marita. Get dig into oh that story because that you is treacherous I mean, stuff. Treacherous. The stories that she has a kid that won't talk to her. own mother. Yeah, it's amazing. She has a kid that won't talk to her for years, and one just jumped out the window right in front of her. I'm like, what? You know, like. These things that, I mean, there's history that's walking among us that we think was so, you know, fantastic, and it just isn't. It's like you watch TV and you see a commercial for, you know, Ford Motor Company, for a car. And, or or like Tesla, the cars, and then, you know, to read about Elon Musk and how he started and where he is today. And people don't realize the the, the depth of history behind things that they take for granted. You know, it's like you open your, if you're a woman, you open your cosmetics drawer, chances are you have Maybelline mascara in there. Great lash, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I'm sure that there's great histories behind Tupperware or, you know, glad bags, whatever, trash bags. It, but it just, it's just amazing, you know, like the Walmart family. I mean, I'm sure they've got a one hell of a history to tell, too. <laughs> you know, and speaking of Elon Musk, I saw a question posed uh, in an article recently. You know, how can we have more Elon Musk in the world? And, and you know, the, <laughs> the Teslas and, the and you know, Einstein. And, and it turns out uh, all of them kind of had issues in school. They, they yeah. didn't learn traditionally. So, I mean, what do you think? How do we? How can we get more of these these geniuses coming up? I mean, it, but Elon Musk, he did get his degree, but like, uh, I mean, I don't know. People told Einstein the worst Steve, things. Did Tesla. Steve Jobs drop out of college, oh, or who was he, the one that yes, dropped he, out? Of he sure did, and he was a troublemaker all the way up. Yep, yep. He sure was. I he, think you have to out. let people, yeah, just let people be who they are. And, you know, I mean, I'm not one of those people that bashes public schools because we have really great schools here. But mm-hmm. my son goes to a charter school. It's through the public school system. But it's basically for kids that were not physically able to go to school. Mm. You know, when he was having a lot of surgeries, he wasn't able to go physically into a classroom. Yeah. And, so, or if it's for kids that are homebound, you know, that are, um, have uh, cerebral palsy or what have you. So anyway, mm-hmm. but the school also is for kids that don't learn at the same rate as high school. The other the Where, kids at where's the regular Lucy? High school. Where, where's Lucy? <laughs> did you hear I think, her? I did. I, I heard. She's a little, uh, <laughs> so annoying. There she goes. So So anyway, yeah, so he can go into, uh, there is a physical school he can go to because now he's fine, but Hmm. it also allows you to do it from home. You could do it at two o'clock in the morning. You have teachers, you know, you email, you talk on the phone, what have you. So I think kids need to have more um, variety in how they can learn. Because, like, I hated school. I yeah. hated it. All of the education that I got, I got when I got home. Because I would go to the library and read 10, 20 books a week. Mm. Now, other kids love school. They thrive in it. They love the social atmosphere. Yes, Lucy, we hear you. We hear you. Yes. <laughs> so, 
you know, more variety available to kids would be great. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Now, since I last had you on the program, have you had any odd things go on in your life? I mean, you've written books about demons, for crying out loud. Something has to have tipped your scale to have seen or witnessed something. Okay, let's see, since I last talked to you. Or just dig whichever was your most prolific one, your craziest experience. <laughs> Nothing really except um, just <laughs> being a little bit harassed by Church of Scientology. Does that count? <laughs> oh, that's paranormal. That's paranormal. From, what yeah, you, from how'd uh, you get writing on their radar? You know, honestly, oh. not anything paranormal, thankfully. Um, but my sister who lives next door, they have a ghost. His name is Bill. And a lot of people have been there that have seen him and encounter. He's a nice ghost. He's not, he's very friendly. I'm probably the only one that has been over there and hasn't. <laughs> I've not. But you know what? But I mean, that bugs me. It's like, wait a second. You know, I'm supposed to be studying this stuff. <laughs> That is but wild. No, I haven't recently. And I honestly think the last couple of years, I don't think I've had anything really unusual happen. Hmm. But in, now, a, in you, a paranormal sense. You got on, this is fascinating though, you got on Target from a Scientologist because of your book, Mind Wars? What did you say about them? <laughs> uh, we wrote, you know, and, and the funny thing is, is like I've seen Leah Remini's series and I watched. Um, Oh, God, it was on HBO. Clear, something clear. The documentary. Oh, my going, God. Going Real clear. Heavy duty. Going, going clear. clear. Thank you. I've seen it. It's good. And, um, so, I mean, that, you know, that's heavy duty harassment. But so we devoted just a few pages in our section on cults in Mind Wars to Scientology. And I had been told by a friend of mine who's really, really big in the conspiracy field you know, be be ready because they're probably listening on my phone call. They are aware of anybody who writes anything negative about them. That's Even if why your phone was messing up. That's like why on we somebody's can... blog. And wow. they will start to harass you. And But their harassment is very uh, subtle is probably not the, word, the right word. I don't know. It's just really... Like, they don't, you know, they're not following me or anything, but I get a lot of uh, unidentifiable phone calls. I get letters from them saying, we can't wait to have you come up to L.A. and meet with us and become a member. And they put me <laughs> on their mailing list, so I get all these <laughs> magazines and stuff. And, and yeah, the really creepy thing was the very first thing that they sent me after Mind Wars was released was a letter, and I and I save everything in case I disappear. Um, that said, <laughs> in 1994, you bought a copy of Dianetics, and we, you know, we're waiting for you to come in. We think you would make a great member, or something like that. No, and they had my old, old, old address <gasps> and my maiden name from when I, you know. I, Jones is not my real name. So I was really creeped out. And then I realized, yes, I did buy a copy of Dianetics. Oh, my God. Used, 
bookstore in North Hollywood. Just out of curiosity, I bought like a raggled, snaggled paperback at this, oh, what's the name? It's a famous used bookstore on Vine in North Hollywood, or Studio City, excuse me. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if it's there anymore, but how the hell did they know that? It was (laughs) a used copy. (laughs) That's disturbing. Wow. So, yeah, so I was telling a friend of mine, you know, I get their magazines, I'll start saving them for them because he hates them. <laughs> wow. They, you know, maybe that's why we had a bad connection to be, begin with here. They were listening. <laughs> well, I will say that when Larry and I were working on the book, again, a couple, I know, a couple of people told me, be, be very careful. Just, you know, be careful. And wow. I would have a lot of uh, my cell phone just going on and off and, you know, computer issues, <clears throat> excuse me, um, phone issues, even landline. And that's Not one of the goodness. things that, that they these people said would happen as if these demons, which are supposed to be ancient, are using our modern technology as a way to drive us crazy, you know, and harass us and annoy us. So I, I thought that was kind it. of interesting. Man, you know, if I, you know, being a Christian lady, if I went out and uh, attacked everybody who put Jesus, I mean, doing whatever crazy thing, like on Family Guy and all these cartoons, South Park, I mean, he's doing drugs and getting married and all this stuff. And I'm like, I always see Jesus getting abused to the craziest extent. And I'm like, my goodness, if I reacted as some people do. Oh, yeah. Well, the worst was when I wrote. My yeah. very first book, Science, which was really about quantum physics trying to explain the paranormal, you know, parallel universes and, and, and even consciousness, I got death threats, so much harassment that wow. I had to call the FBI Come on. from that book because of one thing. In the book, I talked about the zero-point field, and I equated it to a god-like force. Wow. And all hell broke loose. That, oh, <laughs> my goodness. Since then, uh, you know, I've done a lot of books and not had any other issues, but that book, I had to talk to the FBI, their cyber crime unit, and there were two um, – religious fanatics that were threatening to kill me and it was really ridiculous wow you're crazy i equated a scientific theory you know to uh, something godly the the creative and regenerative and that was really scary (laughs) and now and now every other person i talk to thinks we're all god so what's it yeah i mean it's like we're all god there was nobody better we're all the best. I'm like, okay. It's just crazy. The, the people, it's like if you challenge their, you know, what they think they know, even if I'm just saying, well, this is my opinion. Right. Um, the way people will attack you. The other really interesting that it, thing that happened is I wrote about, and I don't remember even what book it was, but I wrote or I said something negative about um, the Church of Satan. And I proceeded to get a bunch of emails from members who wanted to set me straight on what 
they really practiced. And that was actually really interesting. Yeah, it's not what you think. These what people I've learned. were not what I thought they were. They're not you saying know? And it so was much. like, oh, I, have to, yeah. I had to correct myself. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. Um, but, yeah. but scary stuff, I was scared when I was writing the book. I will admit that. But really, nothing, you know. It's not like I stood in the middle of my bedroom and did a circle and said the names of demons. I'm not going to do something like that. Because <laughs> even with a scientific bend, I still would not tempt fate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But you are brave, some of this stuff. But <laughs> my goodness, it's like you're just grazing heck wherever you go. Now, put out your website again because we got less than a minute. we got to wrap this Gosh, up. Like, okay. Well, yeah. it's uh, mariedjones.com for the books. And where is Lucy Productions? Where, where's Lucy? Dot com for uh, the film and TV stuff. My goodness, you know you are a busy lady. I, I'm just I'm so impressed with everything that you do, and I I, I do keep up on on your little adventures. It's you just blow my mind, and of course having the same uh, literary agent uh, who's fantastic. And we. I, I always get get uh, she's she wants us to work together at some point. She's like, I just no, want she to do something. Saying, you guys need your own TV show. We're like, well, yes. well, yeah. hello, yeah, hello, hello. <laughs> get on it, Lisa. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, I have to thank Would you. Would that so not much. be hysterical? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to thank you so much for coming on the show, Marie D. Jones. Everybody, this was so much fun. We will definitely have to do this again. You guys, Sounds remember, you good. can catch me here every Friday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to me, Heidi House, The Outlander. Remember, always, if it's weird, we're here. And stay tuned for UFO headline news that I host coming right up. Good night, everybody. <laughs>